Good morning. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. If you're wondering, what kind of show is that? You can visit the show blog at getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. I've been doing the show since 2011. I have loved every single guest that I've had on the show. They're so inspiring. They share stories of challenges, ups and downs, things they learned along the way. Uh, I have video up on the show blog. Uh, Many of my guests um, decided, uh, which I loved, to do interviews uh, during COVID through Zoom, and we did it on camera, so it's lots of fun to see them in person when we're so socially isolated. Again, the show blog is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Okay, so standing by to join me on the second half of the show is, I'm really excited about this, I have her book, Kate Swenson. And we're going to talk about her book, Forever Boy, A Mother's Memoir of Autism and Finding Joy. And this was interesting. I didn't know this, and then I'll bring her on. Approximately one in 54 children in America is diagnosed with autism, making Autism Awareness Month each April ever more crucial to spreading awareness, knowledge, and most importantly, compassion for those with autism in their lives. One of those people is Kate Swenson, whose world stopped when her then-toddler Cooper was diagnosed with severe nonverbal autism. Cooper is now 11 with three younger siblings and Kate shares posts and videos of their day-to-day life in the community of over 730,000 plus that she's built across her blog, Finding Cooper's Voice and Facebook page. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Kate Swenson. Good morning, Kate. Hi. I just introduced you. It was, it's very interesting. This is Autism Awareness Month. Tell us a little bit about autism to those who don't know. Yeah, well, autism came into my life in the form of a little boy. His name is Cooper. He's now 11 years old. And, you know, there's a lot of really technical definitions for autism. It's a neurological disorder that, you know, it affects speech and socialization, different things like that. For Cooper, you know, he struggles the most with communicating and kind of understanding this world. It's almost like this world wasn't made for him and he wasn't made for it. Mm-hmm. But we vowed to figure it out together. <laughs> well, I love how you unfold the story. Um, towards the beginning of the book, you talk about uh, how you went to a meeting with your, we, you. I don't think you were married yet. You, there was a pastor and he said, how would you handle a child with special needs? And that was so yeah, unexpected. So we, yeah, so yeah. we were married. We had to do premarital counseling. I think it's still a thing. Okay. So, yeah, you spend a whole weekend and you, I mean, I could still see us sitting there. We were just babies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the pastor's like, what would you do if you're, you found out your spouse was an alcoholic or if they had a gambling addiction or if they had an affair, all these different things. And the last question was, what would you do if you had a special needs child? And, I, you know, my then fiance and I were like, well, that's ridiculous. That would never happen. Like, it, it, it was such a foreign concept. <laughs> sure, of course. We were going to do everything right. Yeah. And we had no idea. And it was just excellent foreshadowing. <laughs> so interesting. And uh, you described this book as a story uh, down an unexpected path. That's for sure. Yeah. So, you know, people are like, describe the book. And I'm like, well, you know, on the high level, it's about a uh, family and a boy and mm-hmm. autism. But at a deeper level, so many can relate because it's really a story of transformation and it's 
we thought we were going to have one life and it was a hard pivot mm-hmm. and we had to, we had to either keep walking or we weren't going to survive and we transformed into the people we were going to be after autism unbelievable and you and i were talking before you came on you wrote this book during covid with three kids and you were pregnant <laughs> yeah um, I have really funny stories of my husband. He's not a creative type. He's more of like a like a builder and that sort of thing. Okay. And I I'm I'm cre- I'm like creative. Like I'm like I write and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And he would like scream down the hallway, you know, like Are you writing? And I'm like I don't feel inspired. You know, I have three <laughs> kids crawling on me. <laughs> like, I wonder why. <laughs> I know, I know. And, and he'd be like, Well, just write. And I'm like, it Oh, just write like that. Just, so no, it was um. It was a labor of love, and I'm so proud of what came out of it, but it was some hard days. And how did you find time? Was it during nap time? Was it when they went to bed? How did you do this? Well, the funniest part is my husband would put a couch up against the hallway so the kids couldn't come down. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that was a visual. But I I would write a lot at night, so I had a little pregnancy insomnia, so I would write from like 10 o'clock at night to midnight, Mm -hmm. and I, I really knew what I wanted to put in the book. I, I'm a visual storyteller. I have all these beautiful stories about Cooper. If you go to the library right now or the bookstore and look for books on autism or disability, they're going to be really clinical. That's okay. what I was, you know, I was finding there. Check yes. boxes and yes and no's and lists of things. And I didn't want to write a book like that. I wanted to write a book about our story and about the boy. And mm-hmm. so I, I've just been keeping track of them on my blog since he was born. Amazing. Do people say to you, where does autism come from? Is this genetic? Are there a lot of questions people ask you? Well, I think there are. I think people are wondering it. I mean, if you turn on the news or, you know, do a Google search. I don't, you know, speak a lot about that because it can be so controversial. But what I will say is Cooper was autistic from the second I looked down at him. I didn't know what the word was, but Mm -hmm. he was autistic when, you know, now looking back. Yes. And... You know, my dad and other older people in my life will be like, there was none of this, you know, disability, autism stuff, or, you know, how they'll say back in my day. Oh, and, sure. And I'd be like, but there was, Dad. Like, yes. when I went to school, these kids were kept separate, yeah. and there were institutions, and kids were not with their moms and dads. We're in a different world now. We have these kids home, and we're, we're giving them great lives, and we're going out in the community. So we're definitely seeing it more. Sure. Tell me about the diagnosis of Cooper. Um, the actual process? Yes, because it took a while, right? Yeah, so he was my firstborn, and I, you know, right away, he never babbled. He was, cried a lot, struggled to sleep, very rigid, and I tried talking to my doctor about it from the very beginning, and was really met with, you're a first-time mom, boys are late bloomers, you know, he's a challenging baby, it's just that, and really shut down, and there's a waiting game till age three, and I still, I hear about it even today, where wait till age three, and that's hard for a mom or dad that knows early intervention is best, and they're seeing things, and there's no help till that age. It can feel like a lot like you're failing your child. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and then we, um, go ahead. I, um, I actually called and made the appointment after hearing um, a presentation about autism, and I Googled it, and I was like, okay, that's what we're dealing with. And I made an appointment, and it was a, like a nine-month wait to get him in. A nine-month wait. And that's still really common. I just had a mom yesterday tell me she's waiting for a year. Oh. Um, now, you you were um, also researching the Mayo Clinic. And didn't someone say that uh, you were past the 
deadline because this is when his brain stops, you know, developing or something at age four? Yeah, so when you have a child, maybe like this with anything, but I ha- when you have a child with a disability, you get lots of suggestions, right? Like people mm-hmm. are always emailing you or tagging you in a post on Facebook or even mailing you things. <laughs> and I had this dear friend reach out and she's like, my my friend's a neurologist at some big hospital and um, I think she can help you and Cooper. And, and I was like, okay, yes, you know, sure. how do I, how do I help my son? How do I do more? And we, I emailed her and I sent this des- desperate email. I was like, he's, you know, he's, I can't remember five and he's not talking and, and I listed all the things and doesn't understand safety and doesn't sleep. And um, she wrote back, she's like, well, it's too late. The window's closed. The brain closes Ugh. at each four. And I remember thinking you awful, awful human, Ugh. like who would ever tell a mom? I, and I had someone also say to me game over in, <gasps> in reference to Cooper's speech too. And I'll tell you, he's 11 now and he has 25 words. So don't wow. ever let anyone put a limit on your child no. and say game over. Exactly. <laughs> Because I would imagine, and maybe I'm wrong, they learn in different ways. Is that correct? I mean, you tried the picture exchange communication system. Oh, yeah. So um, I have, am now very good friends with lots of moms who have autistic children who are in their 30s and 20s. Mm-hmm. And the number one thing they tell me is our kids are lifelong learners. There's so much pressure on you know a child to learn all this stuff in first grade and then second grade, and you do all this, right? You mm-hmm. get your learning done and, and meet these you know, check boxes at certain times. Our kids aren't like that. Cooper is learning things at his own pace in his own time. I mean, he just recently learned to put his shoes on. He dresses himself. He, I mean, there's so many, I'm just beaming as I'm telling you, I hope that's coming through. Yes. And I'm just as proud of him learning it at age 11 instead of age two. Mm -hmm. So I think the best advice you can give to a parent of a newly diagnosed kiddo is like, relax. I know it's hard. Oh gosh, it's hard. Relax. Yeah. Relax. Yeah. Because I would, I would think they'd come into their own in their own time. Yeah, yeah. That's actually in the last paragraph of my book. There's like this word that describes autism, it's in, and it's like in one's own time. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love that. Yeah. How did you get through some really challenging times? I mean, Cooper was climbing up your body. You were bruised. You know, he's throwing chairs, kid chairs. How did, I mean, the climbing up your body, you just were up at 3 a.m. How did you get through this? We had some really hard years. Age, ages um, 3 to 8 were, our, were really hard. And it's almost like, you know, I say that we kind of turned invisible in the sense that Cooper didn't understand safety. He couldn't be out in the community. He was a runner, which is really common in autism, which means, like, at any given point, he would be out the front door in the road. Whoa. So we put lots of locks on our doors, locks on our windows. We had a fence. We had to keep him safe. And it, it was like we turned invisible, like the world forgot about us. That's mm-hmm. what it felt like. And I still worked outside my home. So did my husband. But then we came home and, you know, Friday at 3.30, we were home till Monday at 8 a.m. That's just how it had to be. And it put a lot of stress on us. And it took us a lot of years to figure out balance and our other kids and who we were going to be and, and how we were going to, you know, find the joy in this confusing, hard thing. Yeah. And parents ask me all the time, they're like, how can I get there? How can I do it? And it's like, you got to, you just got to keep walking, Hang mama. In. You got to wake in there. You got to walk through. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You describe the toddler years as very lonely. How did, mm-hmm. how, I mean, you, you probably hear that a lot. Yeah. So I have a story. Um, my son, I have, I have four kids, but when I was pregnant with my third, we had um, just moved into a new house. And it was a house 
in a neighborhood with hundreds of kids. I'm not exaggerating. So the doorbell rang the day we moved in, and my then six-year-old, Cooper's younger brother, went out to play, and I joke I didn't see him again for two years. <laughs> and my husband was in the yard, you know, talking to the neighbors and in the garage, as, you know, men do. <laughs> and I was inside because Cooper had to be inside. He didn't want me to leave. He was very attached to me. And I had a weekend where, I don't know if it was pregnancy hormones, but I cried the whole weekend Aww. because Cooper was very much non-engaging. He didn't interact really at all. He was very much happy in his own world. And I just sobbed because I was like, I feel so lonely. I miss my son. I want him. I want to be in his world. Um, and I, I almost didn't know how to live in this other world. Yeah. Yeah. And tell me about, and, go ahead. Oh, well, just a lot of mamas describe that and dads too, and grandparents even, and they don't really know how to put it into words. And I think my book really gives them permission to talk about those feelings because they're real and they're valid. Mm-hmm. When did you start taking one night a week off for yourself? Um, well, I, my husband, my husband, and I, we found, um, we found someone to help with Cooper okay. and we no longer have that person, but she would come every Thursday mm-hmm. and my husband and I would go out to dinner or grocery shop or go for a walk. Like the simple things that we couldn't, there's so many things that we couldn't do with a child with a disability that people wouldn't like we couldn't safely walk, so we, yeah. there was never we were never outside. We couldn't go to the gym because you know, like the gym daycare couldn't take him or church sure. or whatever it may be. Yeah, grocery store. So we started doing all those things, and I will tell you, we don't have that anymore because we have four kids now. But <laughs> for that year, it was like life changing. We like rediscovered each other. <laughs> That's amazing. Which you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, I'm speaking with Kate Swenson. Uh, She's written this beautiful book, Forever Boy, A Mother's Memoir of Autism and Finding Joy. Any advice you'd give other parents who are struggling? Find a sense of community. So what I was searching and seeking for in the beginning would have been so different for me if I would have found other families. We were made to feel like our son was the most severe autism and that there was no one else out there. There was no other nonverbal children. There were no other, you know, children, families dealing with aggression or self-injuring. And, and the internet really opened up a world for that. So I, I created a Facebook page and, you know, then a supporter group. And now this book, if I would have had these things and known that there were other moms I could text at 3 a.m. or other moms going through the same thing, I think it would have been way different. So know that in the whatever your struggle is, whatever it is, there's someone out there going through it. Find them. Yes. Make it a priority. Yes. And the show, Get the Funk Out, how do you stay positive when you're having tough days? <laughs> well, I have this mantra, and it's, it's cheesy, and I, but I like it. It's find the joy. And every morning, and I'm not lying, every morning, mm-hmm. no matter what time Cooper gets up, 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m., before my feet hit the ground, I think I'm going to find something good today and even on our hardest days I do find something good and I made that switch because I was missing out on all the joyful parts of Cooper Mm -hmm. and my life because I was so caught up in the hard parts of autism and I I was missing my life and I just make it a priority now I look for things that make me happy (laughs) that's great and that's good advice for other people yeah definitely do you have thoughts on writing another book Okay, so I'm so traumatized over the whole writing it during a pandemic. Um, I don't know. Traumatized? Why? I'm done done having babies, so I don't have to worry about that. Okay. I'm getting a lot of requests for another book. The the feedback on the book has been, I mean, it's amazing. There's 
It is I amazing. mean, people are saying to me, I feel seen. I feel, I don't yes. feel so alone. This should be required reading for every teacher. I mean, yeah. I'm just overwhelmed by the positive Beautiful. outpouring. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. All right. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, Kate, tell me about this uh, blog. You have a community of over 730,000. Yeah. So I started a blog for my couch eight years ago called Finding Cooper's Voice, and I wrote just for myself. Mm-hmm. I wrote about my worries and my fears, and it was really raw and not very good, and I didn't share it with anybody, and no one read it. And then maybe four or five years ago, I started a Facebook page because that's, you know, that's how we connect, right? Yeah. And I had lots of things go viral, and with viral growth comes negativity and shaming and misunderstanding and so um, I kind of got to the point where my audience was so big, I couldn't really talk about the things I wanted to talk about anymore. Yes. So I kicked off a supporter page called Coops Troops, and oh, I love that's it. a much smaller group. Yeah, okay. and, you know, moms can ask questions about medication or sleeping or say they're sad and tired, and and it's been a beautiful thing, and uh, social media can be a gift when mm-hmm. it's used for good. <laughs> Definitely. Well, you're giving other parents a forum to connect when they probably feel very isolated and alone in their experiences. Yeah, and that that was the thing. I mean, I so when I worked outside my home, I remember being at like happy hour or the lunchroom, and I would share something about my life, and it, it was like crickets because no one could relate. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I have a group of great friends that I love to death to this day, and we had kids the same age. All of our kids are the same age. My story was so different, and as much as they wanted to help and relate, they couldn't. So finding these other people that understand, it's just life-changing. Yeah, because they get you. What does it feel like to have over 730,000 people across this blog? I mean, this is amazing. Well, sometimes it feels uh, like a lot of pressure because, uh, so it's interesting, like my mom and my mother-in-law and um, some of the other people in my life have joined and read everything, follow everything. So they'll notice the comments and they're like, it seems like there's so much pressure on you to help these people. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I do feel that way. I feel, you know, there's so many uh, families going through hard times and and don't know what to do. And I feel a lot of pressure. So one of my, that's why one of my goals is to connect people together, not just me. Cause I, you know, I don't know what's going on in Texas in a school district and I don't know in the UK and, so I try to connect parents together. One thing that was really emotional for me to read was when you said that there was someone saying that um, their kid makes fun of the autistic kid in class. Yeah. So I was at work and I was in, this was years ago, I was in the break room and um, Cooper was diagnosed. It was no secret that he had autism. And one of my coworkers just said that sentence, you know, my son makes fun of the autistic kid at school. And um, she went on to like mock, you know, um, happy flappy arms which Cooper does and make the grunts and the sounds that this boy did and then she justified it by saying oh he doesn't know that we make fun of him and it was the first time that I saw honestly that I saw the upward battle uphill battle that people with disabilities have to face or anyone with differences really. Uh, Kate like, I have to inter- interrupt for a second you know I think about prejudice and all kinds of discrimination and I think hmm where does it come from? For a parent yeah. to be boasting and sharing that story, they should be embarrassed. I know, I know. And it, 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 it like turned to crickets and like they eventually like walked away. I've never talked to that person again. No, 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 no. Because no. this is where, I mean, maybe that's a learned opinion their son or daughter had. That's awful. So I have this thing that I do. And um, again, back to some of my cheesy things that I do. But 
every time my nine-year-old goes out into the community, whether you know he's going to a basketball game or you know going to do a play date or something, mm-hmm. I always whisper in his ear, "Be kind." And he's oh. like, "I know, mom." <laughs> and in his conferences every year, every conference, they're like, "Your son is the nicest boy. Aww. He just he seeks people out." And I'm like, "That's more important to me than grades." Yes, it sure is because it lasts yep. longer. It means more. Yep, definitely. Where can people find out more about you? So I have a website, findingcoopersvoice.com, and I share, you know, I have information on my nonprofit on there, on, I have blogs, stories, not just my stories, lots of stories and information on there. I can be, do public speaking, all that sort of stuff. And then my book, Forever Boy, is on Amazon and in bookstores, and that's just been a whirlwind. Grab a copy of that. Okay. And then Facebook is really where my community is. And if you want an even deeper level you know, more videos, more information. I have that supporter group. You can click become a supporter and connect with me even more. Fantastic. And um, also, are you doing any virtual talks or anything during the pandemic? I am. I am. I'm flying to Ohio in a couple of days to go do some in-person ones, finally. Oh, good. I'm excited about that. Isn't it great? It's so nice to see people. But um, I'm doing lots of talks. And, you know, one interesting thing is a lot of companies now are starting diversity teams, and that includes disability. So yes. if, you're a, if you're a parent and you work for a big company and you want people to know about your life, talk to your HR department and see if they'll have a speaker come talk about autism or disability or anything. I mean, we can educate on all different levels. Absolutely. Well, Kate, I've really enjoyed having you on the show. Thank you so much, and congratulations on this book. It's, it's a beautiful book. Thank you book. so much. Absolutely. And let's stay in touch. Okay. All right. Thank you. Take care, Kate. Bye-bye. That was Kate Swenson, author of the book Forever Boy, A Mother's Memoir of Autism and Finding Joy. If you missed any part of my conversation with Kate, it will be up on the show blog within an hour after I wrap. And that show blog is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. I am on Twitter at moms, M-O-N-Z underscore rock. I'm on Facebook at Janine Bernstein, and you'll never be able to spell that unless I tell you. It's J-A-N-E-A-N-E Bernstein. And let's see, I'm on Instagram, same name. And if you want to find out about being a guest, you can just shoot me an email to Janine at KUCI.org. That's J-A-N-E-A-N-E at KUCI.org. I'm going to leave you with a little music by Joe Satriani. And at the top of the hour, Sheldon Abbott is standing by with Cure for the Blues. Have a great Monday, everyone. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Oh, I should mention that we are on Instagram and Twitter at KUCI FM. And if you're not familiar with our shows, you can visit the show schedule at KUCI.org.